When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, as we near the end of yet another week, and boy, they go fast when you get old, it's time once again for the Talking Real Money Super Spectacular Q&A Day. And let's see, what do we have today? We have, we have five questions lined up. And these questions came directly from you, in your voices. Thank you, thank you. They either came by calling 855-935-TALK, A255, or they came being recorded into our really high-tech system at TalkingRealMoney.com where you can go to the contact form and record your question on your computer mic or your phone mic or whatever it is. And it actually sounds better than the phone calls. It's less compressed. It's better quality. So it's a cool way to do it. So we've got a couple, several questions for you. Uh, if you prefer to ask your questions actually live with us in person, every Saturday you get that opportunity. Every single Saturday, unless it's a major holiday. And the uh, the phone number is the same. It's 855-935-TALK. You just need to call between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Time or noon to 2 on the West Coast. Fill in the gaps in the middle. You can do the math. And uh, Tom and I take questions live because we do a live show in Seattle that becomes a podcast next week. So do that. It will be fun. And uh, we're there for you. And we usually have lines open. So it's not hard to get through. 855-935-TALK or go to TalkingRealMoney.com. And here is today's first question. Hi, Don and Tom. I got a quick question. Recently, I've been looking to maybe buying some bonds. And uh, I was on the Treasury Direct website, and I saw that the Series I savings bonds have a new interest rate of 7.12%. It says that they have, it is an annual rate of 7.12%, and it will, and a new rate will be set every six months based on the bond's fixed rate and on inflation. I was wondering if this is a good deal. Can you maybe explain the pros and cons of this? Thank you. That rate has certainly enticed people. We have done it enticed me. We've done uh, bits on iBond several times since the rate went from about zero, which, by the way, that's the bond's fixed rate, zero. That's what you're guaranteed to get if there's no inflation, zero. But every six months, the uh, the rate, the total rate gets reset based on the current inflation annualized. But it's only a rate good for six months. So that 7% rate is really 3.5% for the next six months, and we'll see what happens in six months. Are they a good deal? Well, they're a decent inflation hedge, but they're only a decent inflation hedge for the tiniest little bit of your portfolio because there are a lot of rules and regs about these things. Bear in mind, the interest rate can be as low as zero. 
So you might not make money at times, but in periods of inflation, they are a bit of an inflation hedge. Problem is, you can only buy $10,000 worth of I-bonds per year per person, except you can also have your tax return, your tax refund, not your return. Let's get the terminology right, Don. Your tax refund turned into I-bonds in addition to, but um, it's 10000 really. And there are a couple of things you need to know. One. You cannot cash them out for a full year. They're locked up for a year. For the next four years, if you want to take the money out, you will suffer a three-month interest penalty. You won't get what you earn for the past three months. So just a little downside. But otherwise, I've got an I-bond for 2020. I'll get another one in – I mean, for 2021, I'll get another one in 2022. And – Sure, for a little bit of your portfolio, they're really safe, and they are an inflation hedge. And thanks for calling in your question. Now we'll go to a phone call. Good day, gentlemen. Uh, we've recently retired and sold a home. Most of our money is in a tax-deferred account, and the small amount is in cash. Our budget allows to us to withdraw the maximum amount of tax-deferred while staying in the 12% tax bracket with some money left over. And so what shall we do with that? And we don't need it. We have recovered. Uh, and excess sale of the house, I've got tidy sum to put someplace and park it for the next year or two until we buy another home. Just some thoughts on, I don't need the cash now, but we must have a cash bucket should the market sour. So tell me what you think. Thanks very much. You just used Tom's least favorite word, park. Where should I park money? Because the implication, and you said it, you mentioned it at the end of the call about uh, the market going south. Well, the markets will at times go south. Stock markets, bond markets, any kind of a financial market. And you can lose money. Bonds are more stable than stocks. However, it is, it really is, and it's, it's, uh, there's just no way around it. I know everybody wants magic. We do. We believe in magic. That there's that, that somewhere out there, there's a special investment that only special people know about, and they're not telling me. And I want these guys to tell me what that thing is. That place where I can park my money, and it's going to make a lot more money without taking any risk. And that thing doesn't exist. The problem is, there are tens of thousands. Maybe even hundreds of thousands of financial fibbers out there. Pure prevaricators who are looking every under every rock to try to find something that appears to be absolutely safe and has a higher yield. But the reality is there's always a risk with those higher yields. Always, always, always. This is one of the laws of financial physics. That's why I named my book Financial Physics, because there are certain things that are just absolute. If you want a higher return, you must take more risk. If you want absolute safety, you must not take risk, but you must accept next to nothing. Matter of fact, really, true no-risk investments, no risk of volatility, no risk of loss of principle, and no liquidity risk, no you know, period over which you can't get it, get, get it the money. If you want none of those, your expected return should be negative after inflation. You see? Remember we talked about those I-bonds? 
Well, I-bonds, yeah, they're paying a nice return right now because we have inflation, but they're only keeping you at break-even. And to keep you at break-even, you have to be willing to tie your money up for a year, five years if you don't want to suffer a penalty. So you see, even no-risk investments have a risk. So what what should you do with this money that you need for a house? Well, if you need it in a year or two for a house, it should go in a one to two year CD maybe, or maybe a one year CD and uh, you know high yield savings account. You can get rates at bankrate.com. But anything else means you might lose. And if you're not prepared to lose mentally, psychologically, and lifestyle wise don't you can't you can't make money i'm sorry you just can't and we're not going to lie to you everybody else will lie to you we will not lie to you we will not purposefully lie to you might we make mistakes yes will we lie no you can't always get what you want and i'm not going to repeat the rest of the song 855-935-TALK that is our phone number or you can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com, like this one. Hey, Tom and Don, it's Mike from Colorado. Hey, uh, I once again have to say I really appreciate all your insight and your show. A job well done. I really listen uh, to all your podcasts and e- even the ones that uh, Don has just really re-released. So I'll, I'll be on top of those as well. Here's my question. Um, I'm following Paul Merriman's ultimate buy and hold strategy. And I had a question on the short-term bond. He previously suggested investing in the V is in Victor F Foxtrot S Sierra U uniform X X X-ray short-term investment grade bond fund. And he has since updated that. Now Um, he no longer has that on his suggestion. He actually has the uh, Vanguard short-term treasury index admiral, and ETF, and I'll give you those, VSBSX is the mutual fund, Victor Sierra Bravo Sierra X-Ray, or the short-term treasury ETF, VGSH, Victor Golf Sierra Hotel. My question is, I've got some harvest gains, harvest tax loss, actually, um, and it's in my taxable account. So I'm actually selling the VFSUX and I'm going into, I'll just focus on the ETFs. I'm going more into ETFs, the mutual funds. So I'm going into the VGSH and that's recommended by Paul. And it's also Chris Pedersen's um, best in class fund for a short-term bond. Now that fund happens to be a short-term government. The previous one was a short-term investment grade. I want to know, should I stay in this fund or should I go back after the wash rule back into the VFSUX? I did a comparable, uh, a compare mutual fund on Vanguard. And in just looking at those two, the cost basis a little bit less on the ETF. You're at 0.05, five basis points versus 10 on the investment grade. However, if you look at the historical return, just in five years, you're only getting about 1% after tax versus 1.7% for five years on the investment grade. So a little bit better return historically. And the other concern of mine is, 
The ETF has $17.2 billion in bonds. The short-term investment grade, $79.6 billion. So a lot more bond funds. I'm trying to clarify why Paul and Chris would say stay on the uh, short-term treasury ETF outside of it being strictly a safety play. And, um, you know, I'm fine with that, but I just wanted to hear you guys and and give me an explanation on, on which fund might be better for the long term. Appreciate all you guys do. Thanks again in advance. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to all of them. I'm going to keep you busy over the next few months. You're going to have a lot of episodes, but okay, thank you. Um, the answer to your question came right at the very end of your question. You answered it. It is absolutely a safety play. Because here's the problem. we get And we get caught up in these weeds too. Tom more than I, but I do it. I just give in sometimes. I just give in and go, yeah, okay, fine. Go with a higher yielding product because the risk is not all that high. However... There's risk in the investment-grade bond product because it's a corporate bond fund. They are bonds issued by businesses. What can businesses do? Fail. Fail completely. Stiffing even their bondholders sometimes. And that's why you see the various ratings for bonds. And in the VFSUX, the Vanguard Fund Sucks, VF, no, it's not, it doesn't suck. I'm kidding. It was a joke because the way it's spelled. Uh, in the VFSUX, the just over 50% of the portfolio is rated A or better, and less than 20% is rated triple A or better. Whereas in the VGSH, the Vanguard uh short-term treasury ETF, which I would prefer because the, the price is, is good. Um, it's 100%, tr- AAA, 100%, 99-point fractional. So the quality is better. You can't. You really have no risk of default, no default risk. You do have a little bit of volatility, but the volatility is wildly different, really. The standard deviation, which is a measure of volatility for the VFSUX, is about 1.8% over 10 years. The same volatility measure for the VGSH, the ETF that's all treasuries, is about half that at 0.88. That's significant. That's significant. But, and don't compare returns because returns don't mean a darn thing. They're looking back at what happened. And with bond funds, the only thing that really matters in a bond fund is the yield, the current yield. And there is a big difference between those. The SEC yield for the VF sucks is 1.2% right now. But that's probably going to go down. Who knows? I'm predicting. Whereas it's only 0.43. But you get higher stability. And we believe bond funds are not in your portfolio to make you money. They're in your portfolio to act as ballast to keep your portfolio from tipping over and sinking beneath the turbulent waves. So it's a safety play. It's absolutely a safety play. So what what would I do? It It's based on what you want. Do you want the slightly higher return? Then go back back to the uh, the VFSUX in 30 days. 
if you want to have this as the safe portion of your portfolio, the almost absolutely safe portion, because remember, it's also short-term bond. So as inter- if interest rates rise, when interest rates rise, they will rise, they will fall, they will do all those things. When interest rates rise, they're going to very quickly replace the bonds in the portfolio with new higher-yielding bonds. And that will be the case in both of those because they're short-term. So I hope that answers your question. But yeah, I'm confident it's a safety thing. Again, our number, 855 855- 935 talk make sure you call us tomorrow saturday well if you're listening to this on friday where every saturday we do a live show from three to five eastern and you can call us at that same number 855-935-8255 let's go to the next question hey guys uh lance here from north carolina uh my question is uh, i see a lot of commercials nowadays uh fidelity and see on commercials and just want to know, um, are they always going to be true to what they provide in and what you guys say? Uh, just seems like they're getting a lot of hype and just going to the next level. I uh, just want to know that uh, they're going to be there for us as fiduciaries. Thank you. All right. Absolute certainty rarely exists. Yeah, a couple of things. You're going to die with certainty. But is Fidelity always going to be what they are today? I would guess not. Because it used to be that Fidelity was just an actively managed mutual fund company. And it took them a very, very long time to come around to indexing. Vanguard did it much faster. But when Fidelity came around, they came around in a big way. They are one of the largest discount brokerage firms in the in the world. Um, they do at times act as a fiduciary, but they also don't act as a fiduciary at times because they have services that are not always designed to be in your best interest. I mean, really, you can't even say they're a fiduciary because you'd have to argue against actively managed mutual funds, though, in the wisdom of even creating those. So will they be similar to what they are today? Yes. They also have tremendous market forces coming from without that push them to do better and to be a better company, just like Schwab does and Vanguard does and all the rest. So they're all pushing each other to be better companies and to treat their clients better. So I think if you have an account with Fidelity, you're relatively safe and you're very safe, very safe when it comes to anything happening to the money, because these accounts are insured like crazy. So they're not going to run off with your money. And if they change directions, they do things you don't like down the road, you, as a consumer, can always just vote by yanking your money out and taking it somewhere else because there will be somebody else who's willing to do a better job should one of the big firms stumble. So I really, this would not be something I'd worry about, but you're not going to get any guarantee they're always going to be like they are, any of them. Thank you for the the question, the call. It was a call. <laughs> Was it a question? No, it's a call. 2855-935-TALK. And this one, I think, will... Let me look here. Yeah, I think this one's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. So here we go. So my question is about recasting a mortgage. I was listening to another podcast where that was mentioned and an explanation 
was said, but I did not understand it fully, and I still have questions. Um, so I bought my house in December of 2012. The loan, I think, was $189,000. i have never paid the minimum balance. I've always paid more. And now my loan is $84,251. I've, uh, since I've never paid the minimum, I've always paid more. Um, currently I'm now paying 1800 a month when my mortgage payment is just 1285. So my question is, what's the difference in me just keep doing what I'm doing or even adding a little more, maybe paying 2000 instead of $1,800 versus doing the um, recasting a mortgage thing. What exactly is recasting a mortgage? How do you do it? Is there a charge for it? Is there any difference in doing that versus maybe next month I can just pay $5,000 towards my mortgage just you know one time and then go back to the $1,800? Um, I don't understand why you would recast a mortgage versus just paying more like I've been doing. Um, all right. Thank you. What are you doing listening to another podcast? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, listen to other podcasts. But I'm wondering why they were even talking about recasting. Um, mortgages are confusing enough without stuff like recasting being thrown out. So let's talk a little bit about what that is. When you establish a mortgage, you set up an, uh, a, a term and payments over which you'll pay that, an amortization schedule. Well, if you make a big payment, you can go to your mortgage company and say, change my amortization schedule. I want my payment reduced now because I've, I'm financing less money and uh, for a fee, usually a small fee in the three figures typically. Um, they will recast your mortgage, lower your payment, but keep the same rate and the same term. So you can recast it, but here's my question. Why? Why would you want to? What advantage is there going to be? You're already overpaying on your payments, so you don't need your payment reduced because you're going to overpay on it anyway. So you're just going to spend some money to do something that's not going to make any difference in the long run to you at all. Now, here's the bigger question I have for you. You've had this mortgage since 2012. I did some checking, and your mortgage interest rate is probably somewhere around 4%. You owe $84,000. So let's round that to $90,000. If you refinance today at about 2.7% for a 10-year mortgage, your payment would drop from 1200 Remember, it's 10 years. And you still are probably, if you're on a 30-year, you still have 20 years left. So we're going we're gonna to shorten the term down to a 10-year mortgage. And if you wanted to go ahead and continue to make those extra payments, getting that up to $1,800 a month, your mortgage would be paid off in less than five years, four and change. Four and change without changing anything that you're doing. You, will, you would save a fortune. I mean, an absolute fortune. However, I want to throw another wrench in the mix. Money in your house is illiquid. And generally, historically, not a big moneymaker. Of course, are always exceptions. 
generally not a big moneymaker nationally. So I would be tempted, if I was in your position, to do a 10 or a 15-year refinance. On a 15-year, your uh, monthly P&I would be down in the 600 range. You're still going to pay it off in 15 years. Or do a 10 with about 800 a month in payments. And stop paying the extra money. Put that towards your retirement. Put that into IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401k plans at work, or just regular investing in a great diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds based on your need and risk tolerance. Because you're going to get liquidity, and even even if your rate is let's say on a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, even if your rate of return is half what it has been historically, half, over time, you are going to be substantial money ahead because you'd be making about 4-plus percent per year on money that's costing you 2.7% per year. It's a pretty good trade-off. So that's what I would consider doing. I would consider just refinancing this mortgage at a much lower rate for a shorter period of time. And that solves a lot of your problems. And it gives you all that extra money. I mean, a thousand extra dollars every month to put towards your retirement. Oh, my gosh. And you're still going to have the house paid off in 10 years. I think you're going to be ahead. I appreciate your call. Glad you listened. Hope that helped. Remember, you can call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 855-935-TALK. You can call us live on Saturdays from 3 to 5 Eastern. Same number, 855-935-8255. You can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. If you have a bigger question, you've got a portfolio you'd like to have looked over, you're looking for a second opinion, you think you might be getting into trouble, you don't want to, you want to avoid that, second opinions are us. Just go to vestry.com, set up a free, no obligation, no high pressure sales pitch appointment. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, coming up in February, live in person in Bellevue, Washington, Retire Meet 2022. We're going to be in person unless COVID does something else stupid to us. But we are also, it's going to be a hybrid. We'll be live in Bellevue with an audience of about 400 people. Uh, or we're going to do it online, too, for the rest of the world. And you can sign up for either one of those versions. And if you sign up for the in-person one, because it will sell out, you'll save money if you do it before the end of the year. Just go to retiremeet.com. Retire, M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T, M-E-E-T.com. And thank you very much for participating, for listening, for sharing, for telling others about the podcast you really are. Thank you for doing it. You, you guys, we're just moving up the the Apple podcast charts. We're like nationally in this big, broad category of business, which is just a ridiculously broad category. Um, we're among the top 150, 120 podcasts in America uh, in business. And wow, that's that's impressive. I mean, you guys really are supporting the show. I know a few of you don't like me. It's okay. I don't mind. I know. I tick people off, and I know we goof around, but 
guess what? If we're not having fun, it's really not worth doing, right? So thanks for being there. Thanks for participating. Participating. And it's free Friday. <laughs> we'll do it again tomorrow. We'll do it live tomorrow. Uh, uh, I'm going to just hang out and uh, do some more research and uh, get the stuff we need so that Tom and I can uh, be talking real money tomorrow. you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.